Looking for John to love, 
Pastor Todd came up and he said, there's a lot of requests today, but you know what? God has never lost a battle. Amen? God has never lost a battle. So not only is God faithful, he is able. Amen? We can't do it, but in him, he's never lost a battle. Hallelujah.
praise you, we bless you. We put our sincere faith in you. Oh, you are great and you are mighty. And our confidence rests securely in you. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. You hold us in the palm of your hand. You refuse to let us go. We know in every trial and every storm we can trust you. We can count on you. We can put our complete hope and confidence in you. You will not fail. You will not forsake. Your promises are true. They're yes and amen. Lord, we love you. And whatever we're facing this day, we choose to trust in the Lord our God. We choose to stand firmly on your good promises that you have given your people. And we know that we know you will come through again and again, just like you did before. And all God's people said, let's give the Lord a praise. He's worthy. He's faithful. We love him. We trust him. We stand firm on his word. He is able. He is worthy. He is wonderful. And he will bring his promise to pass. Can you say amen? God bless you. You may be seated. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Isn't God good? Amen. Good morning. So good to see everybody out. Children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. Amen. Let's get to the Word of God. You ready for the Word of God this morning? Will you respond to the Word if it's Bible? I mean, I don't have to patty cake you every week to get you to get with me, do I? Amen. As long as it's in the book, you going to be with me? All right. Turn to the book of Jonah if you have your Bibles. We're going to talk about a heaven-sent U-turn. You might be here this morning and you need a U-turn in your life. You're heading the wrong way. You're doing the wrong thing. God, because he loves you, is going to bring a U-turn into your life. And if you'll respond to it, you can have a new beginning. You can have a new start. You don't have to go to the place you're headed now if you're willing to call and receive and respond to what the Lord is going to speak to you this morning. If you're living in sin, you don't have to live in sin anymore. If you're rejecting what God has spoken into your heart, you don't have to reject it anymore. Today is the day of new beginnings. Today is the day of fresh starts. Today is the day of a new dedication and devotion to God. Can you say amen? amen. Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. The Bible says in verse 1, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amity. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord, ran away from the presence of the Lord. He headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the presence of the Lord. And then the Lord, sent a great, the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and they cried out to each other. They cried out to their, cry out to your God, cry out to your God. And they threw the cargo into the sea trying to lighten the ship. But Jonah, well, he'd gone below deck where he lay down and fell asleep. He's causing a storm, he's in rebellion, but he can sleep. That devil will fool you. Fell into it. Come on, say Amen fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? God's saying to someone this morning, how can you sleep? Sitting in your couch watching, how can you sleep? 
when God's dealing and God's being patient and you're heading in the wrong direction. How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice and we will not perish. You don't have to perish. You can respond to the goodness of the Lord. I want to talk this morning about a heaven-sent U-turn. Father, we love you. I know in this modern age we patty cake a lot, but Lord, I got a burden on my heart. The word is to be preached as it has been written. No man has the right to water it down or to put flour on it to make it more palatable for the tares and for the strays. But you've called us to preach your word lovingly but clearly, honestly but urgently, that men would hear and respond to good news and the offer of grace in the day of mercy. Speak to our hearts. Touch every one of us. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Our topic this morning is how the prophet Jonah got running in the wrong direction and how God redirected his course, getting him back on track. Jonah ran into a heaven-sent U-turn. How many ever ran into one of those? Say amen. You don't lie in church. We've all been there. The book of Jonah is more than a book about a great fish. Mentioned four times. It's more than just about a great city. Mentioned some nine times. More than about that great revival or the disobedient prophet that's mentioned 18 times. This book is a book about God. 38 times in four short chapters. The book of Jonah is about the character of God, about the will and the ways of God and how you and I are to respond to God and his call. In this book, we see the contrast between Jonah and Jehovah, the stubbornness of Jonah pitted against the omniscience and the almightiness of God Almighty. And for those of you that might have been in Jonah's shoes at one time or another, we feel like shouting, Jonah, just give up. Save yourself the trouble because God always wins. If we learn anything, if we learn any lesson from Jonah's life, it's this, the folly of fleeing from the Lord. It's a wrong move. It's not worth it. He's faster than you. You can't outrun him. The book of Jonah it's a book about, number one, four short chapters, and then, then we learn about, number one, the sovereignty of God. It's a book about the sovereignty of God. When you read it, God sent a great storm. God prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. Three days later, God caused the fish to shoot him out of its mouth just where he needed to be. God grew a tree or a vine. God created or caused an earthworm to munch at it and knock it down. God caused the wind to blow, and he stirs up the sea in this story because his prophet is not going in the direction that he was told. It's if God would say, and you got to know when God's talking to you. Sometimes God allows things to come into our lives. We're quick to blame the devil, but sometimes God's the one that allowed it, but he's saying, attention, please. I see something that we need to address here. You're heading down a wrong road, and if it don't stop, you're taking my grace for granted. It's so much easier just to give in than to fight with God. 
we understand and we study this story that the storm was caused, continued, ordained, and orchestrated by God. It was no accident. It was a divine appointment. The storm was God's doing. You see, friend, God can calm troubled waters or God can really stir them up. God can stir things up, if you know what I mean. He is a great and a mighty God. He's a holy God. The book of Jonah is a book about God's sovereignty. It's a book about God's mercy and grace. The last two verses in chapter 4, the last two verses of this short story, some call it the counterpart, the Old Testament counterpart to John 3.16. Because it just expresses the mercy and compassion of God to an unworthy and unwilling people. It shows us God's heart and God's love and God's mind going out to the masses, the children, even the animals. Grace extended to Nineveh, that ruthless, violent enemy of God's people. Grace extended to Jonah, that disobedient prophet and wayward son. Grace extended to the sailors who were idol worshipers and didn't even call on the Lord. This is a great missionary and a great commission book. It reminds us this morning of the powerful truth of 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. What promises? Well, well, the, the mockers in Peter's day were saying, where is this second coming? You keep saying Jesus is coming back and he'll judge the ungodly, yada, all this stuff. Where is it? Where is that promise to return? And Peter's saying, listen, God is not indifferent to rebellion. God is just patient towards the rebel." God is granting a divine delay, and it's not a delay of acceptance. It's a delay of mercy and hopes that men will wake up and men will turn. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, but he is patient with you. My friend, he's patient with you. Don't play games with God. He's being patient so you'll make things right. He's being patient so you won't reap what you should reap if God wanted to play tough, but he's full of mercy. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. But he wants everyone to do what? Come to, he wants everyone to feel happy? No. He he wants everyone to look good? and No. He wants everyone to come to what? I'm glad you know your Bible. You're not shouting like you were a minute ago, but we're trying to get somewhere this morning. The book of Jonah is a book about God's sovereignty. It's a book about God's mercy and God's grace. It's a book about the conditional character of prophecy. The if and the then. What are we talking about? Most prophecies are conditional. Now for you note takers that want to go a little deeper. In Jeremiah 18, 7 and 8. Jeremiah 18, 7 and 8. God explains it real clear to Jeremiah. Basically, if I prophesy I'm going to judge you because you're sinning and you repent, God says I'll hold back that judgment. And I'll give you mercy. If I'm giving you blessing because, and you stop doing good and start rebelling, I'll pull back that hand of blessing and I'll put forth a hand of chastisement. It's conditional. You see, now some are unconditional. Jesus is coming back no matter what anyone does. Amen. Everyone's going to be judged one day no matter what anyone does. But many of the prophecies, there's a condition. God responds to you and I how we respond to him. We respond to the gospel and receive it. We get to be sons and daughters of God, forgiven, eternal, abundant life, names written in the land's book of life. Amen? 
But if we choose to do our own thing, God says, I'm going to pull back the blessing and I'll extend a hand of chastisement. We see the conditional character prophecy. For in that third chapter, when Jonah finally gets his act together and he goes and preaches the gospel that God had given him, he preached 40 days, 40 days in Jonah, will, uh, and Nineveh will be destroyed. 40 days. And the Bible says, in response to his preaching, the Ninevites believed. They were a cruel, ungodly people, the enemy of God's people. But the Ninevites believed, repented, and God saw, and God had compassion. What a thought, the conditional character. After Jonah's preaching, I mean, the Bible says from the king down to the lowest of the kingdom, the children, even the animals, they put, they put sackcloth on. Everyone repented. Everyone turned from their wicked ways. And God had compassion and pulled back and said, I won't judge you because you cried out. You know, another illustration, you might be familiar in Isaiah and then Second Chronicles. There's a story of King Hezekiah. He had gotten ill. He was sick. And then he received a word from God. The prophet Isaiah comes into the king's throne, and the prophet, he was a real deal. He wasn't one of these prophets you see nowadays. Uh, you know, I won't go down that road, but he, he was a prophet from God. And he looked at the king, he said, put your house in order. You will not live, you're going to die. How do you like that? Most people saying, God saved the king. Not him, he says, God's going to kill the king. Amen. So the king don't get his act in order. But the Bible says, as the prophet leaves, he had no time for small talk. Those prophets aren't like pastors. Pastors chat with everybody. Yes, shepherds do. Them prophets, they speak the word, head on out. He's walking out. But the king received that word. And the Bible says he turned to the wall and wept. Humbled his heart and prayed. He repented. He called on God. And he turned things around. Because God's heart is always touched with sincere repentance and humility. I want you to know, God's heart is always touched by sincere repentance and humility. Hard to get that nowadays. Hard to get that in the in modern church. But oh, the one that sincerely will humble their heart, confess their sin, then he is faithful and just. He'll forgive it. He'll cleanse it. He'll give you a new start. But oh, it's a beautiful thought. Before the prophet Isaiah to get all the way out of the palace, God stops him and says, Huh, Isaiah, doing about face? Go back in there and tell my servant, I have heard his cries and I have seen his tears. I'm giving him 15 more years and I will defend that city from its enemies. Why? Because you can reverse the prophecy if you'll respond to God in faithfulness and obedience. Can you say amen? Brother Shambach used to preach a message, powerful word, how to reverse a prophecy. And he'd use that text, and he would talk about the power of sincere humility and repentance before God. Oh, my. So it tells us this morning, if you're here today, and you and God know you're going down a dangerous road, I got good news, you can turn it around, and you don't got to keep going down that road. You can reverse it. Things don't have to end the way they're positioned to. You can avoid what's coming ahead if you respond to the call of the mercy and the grace of God. If you'll return to that place of obedience and repent or turn away from the act that's grieving the heart of God, you 
can receive a new beginning. God is still a God who's rich in mercy. And today is the day of grace. Now is the moment of salvation. If you'll respond, he'll forgive and you can have a new beginning. Can you say amen? The book of Jonah teaches us a lot about the sovereignty of God, the mercy, the grace of God, the conditional character of prophecy. The book of Jonah shows us the power of preaching. I'm glad God still believes in preaching. Woo! I said, I'm glad God still believes in preaching. And Jonah's commission was, go and preach. Go and proclaim the message that I give you. You know Jesus was a preacher? Whew, yeah, you didn't read the Bible if you don't know that. I mean, yes, he was the finest teacher, but Jesus was a preacher. He declared, he announced, he proclaimed good news to the captives. He opened up blind eyes. I mean, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach. And when Jesus preached, wounded hearts were healed, spiritually blinded eyes were opened, men and women captive to sin, prisoners were set free, and people heard good news of a loving God that would change their lives. Let's look at that together. That's right there in Luke... 4, 18 and 19. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me for he's anointed me not to dance. He hasn't anointed me to run. He's anointed me to preach. Woo! Good news. He's got good news. You don't got to die in sin. He's got good news. He'll forgive you and give you mercy when you don't even deserve it. I got good news. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares for you. He knows all about you, but his arms are still open wide. And if you'll come, he'll accept you. Today is the day and now is the order. He said, I preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. You might be bound today. Jesus Christ will set you free you might have an addiction you might have a habit ungodly others don't even know about it i want you to know the power of the risen christ is able to break that chain to destroy that hole to give you freedom whom the sun sets free is free indeed he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor he sent me to proclaim something we got something to proclaim can you say amen on the job, you got something to proclaim. In the store, you got something to proclaim. You get with the family or friend. You got something to proclaim. Freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed. The devil tries to oppress men and women, to discourage them, to push them down. Jesus lifts us up. Hallelujah. He wants us to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's a good year. It's a year you can be saved. It's a year you can be healed. It's a year you can have a new beginning. Oh my. You know, Jesus commissioned his disciples to preach. He said, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Proclaim my word with passion, with power, with sincerity, with urgency. Men must hear it. How can they believe unless they hear it? He said, and when you preach it, you will rescue the lost for that word draws men to salvation. And when you preach it, you will revive the exhausted and rejuvenate the saints for that word nourishes and that word edifies and that word encourages people's faith to believe God and trust God and keep pressing on in God. And when you preach it, you'll restore those that have been broken because there's a healing anointing in the word of God. His word is his healing agent that makes us whole and sets us free. You can be healed today by the power of the word and the spirit of the living God. 
Power in the word of God proclaimed. It still works today. Power to bring men and women to salvation. Power to restore and revive and build up and energize the soldiers of Christ. What else do we learn in this great book? Little book, but there's a lot in it. It talks about God's sovereignty. That's good to know. God's in control. That's good to know. God is an awesome God. It talks about His mercy and His love. When you know how wicked those Ninevites were, folks, if you study history, they were the most violent and wicked people. Yet God, that's why Jonah didn't want to go to them. They were so bad and they were such enemies. And Jonah knew the mercy and grace of God. He didn't want to preach. But he knew that God would forgive them if they returned. What the heart of God. The conditional character prophecy. Oh, aren't you glad you can turn it around? Aren't you glad that your sin doesn't have to have the last say? God's mercy can if you respond to it. How about the power of preaching? I know we come into a season in the church. Everybody like teaching. I like teaching. Come out on Wednesday nights. We'll teach. We'll teach to my wife shaking her watch at me saying it's time to wrap it up. I mean, man, we'll, we'll teach. We love teaching the word of God. We love the explanation of the word, the instruction of the word, the equipping of the word. But the Bible also speaks about the preaching of the word. There's something to declare. There's something to announce. There's something to proclaim. It's good news. And that word preach builds faith. That word faith, it hurts it hits a heart and causes life to come alive. It ministers grace in an amazing way. We also see in this book the necessity, the absolute necessity of obedience. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. <laughs> I remember someone saying, Brother Shambach, it's a hard old way. He says, then you must be transgressing. <laughs> the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. <laughs> But his yoke is easy. His burden is light. You know, C.H. Spurgeon, that great Baptist preacher, he once said, God does not allow his children to sin successfully. If you're one of his, he'll deal with you. In fact, if he's not dealing with you, you might want to check your heart, make sure you're really saved. Isn't that true? You know, I might see one of your kids acting like a knucklehead, and I might not say anything, they're not mine, you're yours. But I see mine out of line, I'm all over them. Amen. Me and mom, all, why, they're ours. We love them. Nobody loves them like we love them. Amen. And when God loves his children, so when he sees us heading down a dangerous road because of his love, he'll deal with us. I'm glad he dealt with me. I don't know about you. I wouldn't be here today if God didn't deal with me. Anybody? Come on. The book of Jonah. The prophet of God. A prophet is one that's receives the word from God and declares the word of God. He's one that speaks for God. And here's the prophet. He's running in the wrong direction and he's communicating the wrong message. And how many of us know that when anyone sets out to battle God, there's bound to be a storm. There's bound to be a storm. (laughs) If I was to give an overview of this book, I would look at the three directions that Jonah ran. It started out that Jonah ran from God. Then Jonah ran into God. Then praise God, finally Jonah ran for God. And I pray before we leave, everybody's going to be running for God. Can you say amen? We see how God set a heavenly U-turn to restore his servant back to, listen, fellowship and usefulness. That's God's goal. 
When he deals with wayward sons or disobedient daughters, his goal is to bring us back to fellowship with him. Because sin mars that, sin separates. You, you know, you, you can have a child living in California that you haven't spoken to in 20 years. Because there's a problem. They still might be your son, but the fellowship has been broken and marred. Things constrain relationships. And when there's no fellowship, there's very little usefulness. And God wants to use your life. God wants to use your life. God's got a work for you to do. God's got lives for you to touch. Your life is not an accident. It's a divine appointment. And as you give God your best, he'll steer you and guide you. And he'll use you. Oh, my. Number one, Jonah ran from God. God said, go. And Jonah said, no. We don't know anybody like that, do we? Come on, running from God is nothing new. It started in the garden, didn't it? Men have been doing it from the beginning. And listen, listen, I want you to get this. Get this. Tell your neighbor, get this. Tell your neighbor. He's talking to you right now. He wants you to get this. He ran from God. But remember this, at the beginning, at the beginning, when we talk about running from God, it's not always geography. A person can be sitting in the pew running from God. You can be listening to me, trying to put a smile on your face, but you're not crazy about what I'm preaching today. But running from God. Geography comes later. After we refuse the wounds of the Spirit. We refuse the, the God speaking to us and individuals coming up to us. And we make up our mind to reject that. Then geography comes. Then we start running physically. Then we distance. It starts in the heart starts in the heart starts in the heart oh my 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 we ask the question why do people run from God let me give you three suggestions number one there's willful sin in Jonah's case Adam and Eve's case there was willful sin they're guilty but not willing to admit it confess it or leave it Willful sin, doing what they know God has forbidden or refusing to do what God has instructed. That's pretty basic, amen? Can I give you another one? Not only willful sin, but a wounded spirit. I want you to catch this one. Some get offended and disappointed with God. We can go through things. We go through something that wounds us and possibly embitters us. And if that thing is not dwelt with properly, the enemy will try to use it. The disappointment becomes a disillusionment. And then there's a distancing. It's we just, I don't want God anymore. I just turn away from God. I just, I'm so hurt. I'm so disappointed. Heartache defeats traumas. That we've, we've been there. We've all gone through these things. And maybe at one time you went through something horrible. And for a while there, party just, I just, I'm so disappointed in God. How could he let that happen? I, I just don't. But then as time came on, that soft, gentle wooing of the Spirit, the prayers of the saints around you lifting you up, little by little, God began to minister, and you came back. But the devil tried to use that just to get you to basically curse God and die, forget all this. It's a very real thing. 
when life wounds us and we all get wounded. It's a very real thing when life breaks our hearts. But we have to remember that he's the healer of wounded hearts. So again, in this life, wounds and disappointments, life will get us down, but don't push God away when that happens. Sometimes it is tempting. You're so frustrated. Why God? We're broken. And part of us just says, I can't sing. I don't want to go. And the devil will try to use that to drive an eternal wedge. But it's in times like this, we've got to remember he's our healer. He's our counselor. He's our comforter. And we need to go back to God. In times of wounded spirits, don't run from or give up on God. Don't throw away your soul because of it. There's a willful sin. There's wounded spirits. And we've been there. We've been hurt. But thank God, even through that, even at times we don't understand the whys, but God's mercy and grace was still sufficient to help us through. Not only is there a willful sin and a, a wounded spirit, there's, there's just a worldly, wandering heart. Now, look at me. Don't look at, it, don't look at other people. Pleasures. Why do, some, why do people run from God? How do we say it on Wednesday nights? Because some just love their sin more than they love their Savior. They rather have their sin than the approval of their Savior. Amen? Pleasures, passions of the world deceive in God's plan and God's purpose and God's praise gets rejected for temporal satisfactions, for earthly approvals and appetites. We see throughout the word of God, men and women that, that ran from God from different reasons. And if you've ever been hurt, we've all had times where we saw this just... Adam and Eve, Jonah, David, Peter... But friend, listen, when we miss the mark, don't try to deny it or avoid God because of it. Instead, run to God. That's where the guilt and the shame are cleansed and removed. That's where restoration comes and new beginnings begin. Confessing our sins and turning or repenting from the disobedience, forgiveness and fulfillment are found in going to God. Not in running from God. Can you say amen? amen? See, cleansing and new beginnings, they start at the feet of Jesus. Dr. David Jeremiah, teaching on Jonah, he writes, he says, Remember, Jonah clearly knew what God's will was, but he chose to reject it. David Jeremiah continues, If we use any circumstance, to try and change the clear application of God's word, it is deception. Such guidance is not coming from God, but the enemy of our souls. Jonah had a clear word from God, and that should have been the end of the discussion. Can you say amen? Jonah rebelled, he ran, he didn't like God's plan. It was as if he said, God, you can save me, but don't mess with my life. Don't tell me how to live. Jonah ran from God. And we look at Jonah and we kind of um, study him. We, we see that Jonah had a wrong attitude. 
towards the will of God, towards the word of God, and certainly towards his circumstances. He had the wrong attitude towards the will of God. He thought it was an option, like you could take it or leave it. But friend, it's not an option, it's an obligation for those that call themselves Christians, amen? And it's an opportunity, because God's will is a good will, and it's a blessed will. And it's an opportunity to advance in God and please the heart of our Father. He had a wrong attitude towards God's will, and certainly towards God's word. He thought he could just pick or choose what he liked or what he didn't like. But friend, it's a privilege to have and hear God's word. It's a privilege to know that he wants to order our steps by that word. And we can build strong, solid, healthy lives if we'll build it according to that word. It is a privilege to have the word of God spoken to us and given to us. But I'll tell you what, he had a wrong attitude towards the will and the word of God. And he certainly had a wrong attitude towards the circumstances. You know, it's possible to be out of God's will and still have circumstances appear to be working on your behalf. I mean, he found a ship going as far away from God. He easily found a ship. He fell asleep. He's, he's at peace, man. God, God's getting near taking him out, and he's at peace. Isn't that right? Reminds me of old King Saul. Remember King Saul? When, the, the, the very moment that the prophet Samuel sent of God to say, King, your, your days are numbered. Your kingdom is over. I've had enough of your rebellion. You know what King Saul was doing? The Bible says he was building a monument to himself. Can you get more out of touch than that? He's having a party for himself, thinking everything's great. And meanwhile, God's saying, I don't know about you, I'm getting ready to remove you. He's so out of touch, he doesn't get that. Oh my, oh my, oh my. You see, a person can be rebelling against God and still have a false sense of security that includes a good night's sleep. He's down there sleeping. I mean, the heathen got to wake him up saying, Hey, can't you see? We're in trouble here. And Jonah used circumstances to support what he had already decided to do. Can I read that again? Some people know sense in talking to them. You can show them the Bible. You can give them five scriptures and three supporting scriptures for each scripture. But sometimes when a person decides, I want to live a certain way, even if God tells me otherwise, you, you can't argue with that. All you can do is give them up to God and say, Lord, in your mercy, deal with them that they'll, they'll wake up before it's too late. But men and women do that. Do you know that? Yeah. Again, I'll go back to the thought of Dr. Jeremiah. Never use circumstances to try and change the clear application of God's word. Jonah ran from God, then Jonah ran into God. We see that in verse 4 and verse 17. God sent a storm, and then God sent a great fish. He was arrested by a storm, and how do we say it? Then he was incarcerated by Hotel Shamu. And you know, when you decide to run from God, you can always find a ship to Tarshish. There'll always be someone out there to encourage you and go with you. But God will always have a great fish if you really belong to God. He'll have a great fish. Jonah ran into God. Listen, God will meet you in the strangest places and at some of the most unexpected times. Because when you're God's, he doesn't want to give up on you. When you're really a child of God, he doesn't let you go easy. He'll do things to wake you up. He'll, out of mercy, he wants to turn you around. God will meet you in the strangest places. I've had buddies of mine. Their altar wasn't a revival meeting. It was at a bar where they were bouncing at the bar. A bouncer. Throw the bad guys out. He, he was a bouncer. Spirit of God came on him. He made an altar out of the bar. 
I mean, God will meet you in the strangest places. Amen? Because he loves his people. And he doesn't want his people to go. God will meet us at the strangest places in the most unexpected times. And this is God's love. This is an expression of his divine compassion and concern. It's his sovereign might and mercy working together to bring his wayward son, his disobedient daughter, back unto himself, back to fellowship and back to usefulness. I want to say again, God loves you. You might have been hurt, you might have been wounded, you might just be a rebel, or maybe you're hurt. And the devil used that thing, and it's time to come back. I had a friend of mine uh, years ago. Her dad was a pastor, and he fell into terrible sin. Shameful sin, embarrassing sin. He abandoned the family. And she was 16 years old, just starting her senior year. It crushed her, obviously. It crushed her. Her faith fell. She backslid. Her senior year pretty much backslid. Then months later in the spring, it was senior skip day. Well, we're from senior skip day. There's one day in the spring, all seniors, we just skip out, go to the lake. Our lake, you don't have to worry about gators. You don't have to worry about moccasins. Just go to the lake. Amen. They, 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 get, they get the barbecues going, and, and, and that's it. So um, beautiful Cooperstown, Glimmerglass Lake, Cooperstown, you can't beat it. We had, I, mean, every, I mean, every high school, rival high schools, that's where they go. And she said, I'm up there, senior skip day cover, surrounded by, you know, hundreds of other teenagers. And, you know, the beach, you know, when a, when a beach is crowded like that, there's just towels everywhere. You can barely step, you step on a towel. She goes, I'm with the football team, and hundreds of people around us were just laying there, and, High school was ending. She said it had been the worst year of my life. She said it's the worst year of my life. And she's still fighting with God. And she says, I'm laying on the towel, looking up, you know, where I'm from. As soon as it gets to about 58 or 60, it's beach weather. So, I mean, it's a cool day, but I'm looking up at the sky. And she says, I'm just looking up there. And everyone else is partying. They're doing their thing. And I'm just laying there saying, God, you don't love me. You don't even know I exist. How could you let this happen? Again, her dad had been the pastor. Getting terrible sin. Abandoned the family. Man. She goes, you don't care about me. You don't even know I exist. And she said, she said, Joe, you wouldn't believe. Out of nowhere came the nerdiest looking guy you'd ever see. Never saw him before, never saw him since. And he's climbing over all the other teams. You know, he's kicking sand and he's stepping on towels. I'm with the football team. As he was, she was dating some kind of football team. And she was, he, all these guys. And all, he, he's, it's a funny thing, almost comical. He went through all those people as I was in the middle just to reach out as I'm looking up to God, saying, you don't care about me. You don't to hand me a track. And big letters on that gospel track, God loves you and you're special to him. Turned her life around began to turn her life around. That, that season of eight or nine months because of a wound, because of being hurt by someone else's rebellious and selfishness, she came back to God. God reminded her, I haven't given up on you. I'm still here for you. I still love you, and you're still special to me. She got her act together, went to Bible school. The people up there knew her dad, and they had compassion on the situation. They took her in. She married a fine young pastor. They've been in ministry over 40 some odd years now because there was a God that refused to give up on her. 
there was a God that would send someone all the way in the middle of a crazy beach and all that partying going on just to let one of his wayward daughters know, I still love you, you're still special for me, and I haven't given up on you. Can you say amen to that? Oh, that's the God. She ran into God that day. And when we run into God, it's a great act of God's mercy to awaken us and turn us around and get us back to health and strength. God knows how to catch his wayward prophets and his wayward people. Remember a story of a man filling out a job application and that question, have you ever been convicted of a crime? And he wrote down no. Then it says why? And you know he's supposed to leave that blank. He said, because I've never been caught. (laughs) He was honest, if not too bright. (laughs) Never been caught. I'll tell you something. God knows how to catch us. I said, God knows how to catch us. Uh, God knows how to catch us. Saul of Tarsus, God knows how to catch us. Amen. Oh, Jacob, God knows how to catch us. Jonah, you learned in the hard way. Didn't have to be that hard. You didn't have to. But you, you thought the sea would let you escape the dealings of God. But you forgot he's the one that rules the waves and commands the seas. My God. Jonah, you can't outrun him or avoid him forever. So listen, don't make him turn it up a notch. Oh, don't keep trying his patience. Stop, turn, come back and let God restore you and revive your soul. Can you say amen? He ran into God. They found out he was the cause of the storm. And the heathen said, what are we supposed to do? He says, throw me overboard. We don't want to do that. Yeah, he even had more compassion than Jonah. So finally, throw you overboard. They threw him overboard and the storm stopped. I always like to add this. It's not part of my message. You know, years ago in a different church, a youth group would go to their um, conventions and come back and testify on Sunday nights and they'd always share what happened. And I still remember one message a youth evangelist preached called, Throw Jonah Overboard. If you got someone in your boat that's causing your life a mess and a bunch of storm and hell, get them out, get them out, get them out. But that's a different sermon for a different day, but I never forgot it. That's been 30, 20 years ago. They threw him overboard. And then God sent a great fish. God prepared a fish. Why did God prepare a fish? Let's look at these verses. Look at 117 and then 2.1. You got that for me back there? Here we go. But the Lord provided a great fish. Arthur treats you. No, the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. And what's our next verse? Two and one. Two and one. And from inside the fish, Jonah prayed. Better late than never, but at least he's praying now. Amen. (laughs) You don't have to wait till you're behind bars to pray. You can pray now. Amen. You don't got to wait till you stand in divorce court. Pray now. Why do you prepare a fish? Number one, to rescue. All ours. To rescue him from drowning. Keep going that way, you'll drown in your sins. It was a blessing in disguise. Jonah would have drowned, but God sent a great fish to rescue him from drowning. But also to return Jonah to Nineveh. Because when he spits him out, there he is, Nineveh's down the street. As if God's saying, all right, my plan still stands. 
God hasn't forgotten and you can't dissolve my plans that easily. If you try to avoid the plan and the will of God, not that easy. He rescued him from drowning, returned him to Nineveh, and then he reached Jonah's heart. Because again, Jonah begins to pray and humble his heart, repent of his sin. He doesn't have to go that drastic. We can say, Lord, keep me tender so I never get to that point. So that when I start to miss it, you know, I, the prodigal parent, I mean prophet, is giving God his undivided attention in that great fish. And now he's ready to receive and obey the word. But listen, people perish when parents and prophets disobey. People perish. 120, 150,000 people in that city getting ready to perish. And God's prophet won't carry out his task. People perish when parents and prophets disobey. He sent a great fish to rescue him, to return him, to reach him, and then to recommission him. Because once Jonah's heart is surrendered and prepared, God says, back to my purpose and plan. I am a God of new beginnings. Once the prodigal prophet surrenders, he's run from, he's run into, now it's time to run for. And it's time for you and I to run for God and do what God's called us to do. Anybody ready to run for God? (laughs) See, he's a God of a second chance. Don't waste the second chances God gives you. Don't waste it. You're here today, you waste it. I've met some that didn't get saved to their 50s. Well, don't waste the rest of your life. Don't waste the rest of your life. Can't cry over spilt milk, but don't waste the rest of your life. Give God your best from now on. Get serious with God from now on. He's a God of a second chance, and God has lives for you to touch, and he's got missions for you to accomplish. It's time for everyone to get back on track, and don't let others perish, because you're not running for God. Jonah, a heaven-sent U-turn. May God bless his word to our heart. We're going to open the altars. Number one, I want everyone to make sure there are any areas. Search your heart. Make sure there's nothing in you that has the potential of turning you away from the will of God. Make sure you're not harboring anything in there that is a threat to your walk with the Lord. Remember, it starts in the heart before it goes to the feet. Before they're lost out there, if they were here, they lost somewhere. They got out of touch. I want us to search our hearts. And if you're here today, and quite frankly, you're not even sure how you got here, because you're a Jonah. Well, God loves you. And I pray that you would not ignore this divine appointment. But you would say, enough is enough. I'm not going to make God get any more drastic with me. I'm coming back. I'm turning from the things of disobedience. I'm going to start living right the way I know God wants me to live. Thirdly, maybe you're here today. um, You might possibly know a Jonah. If you know a Jonah, would you spend a minute or so before you leave and pray for him? If you have a wayward friend, son, daughter, or maybe a parent, Maybe someone you grew up with that knew God, you worship together, and they're out there running from God. Before you leave, before you hit the cookies, will you spend a moment or two and call them by name? Say, Lord, do what you got to do to bring them back. 
Send that great fish. Send that storm, whatever it takes to bring them back. Would you do that? And if you're here and you're doing well and you just need prayer, we will pray for you. We'll believe God with you. But I pray, please, let's search our hearts. Like Mr. Goodrent says, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. Better off searching our hearts now so we can deal with things and not get to that state. But if you are here and things aren't right, don't leave without repenting. Don't leave without saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm turning from that. I'm going to live right. And if you have someone that needs God, don't leave before you lift up their name to heaven. Stand with me, please. Stand with me, please. Oh, God is a good God.